global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at NRIA.net. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning after a rally sent the S&P 500 to its highest close this year. As investors await further assurances that central banks will continue to support growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 28. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down about 11. The DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.95%. Yield on the two-year 0.94%. NYMEX crude oil down 2.7% or $1.03 to 37.47 a barrel. COMEX gold is down two-tenths percent or $2.40 to 12.57 an ounce. The euro $1.1121. The yen 113.59. Starwood Hotels and Resorts, which is being bought by Marriott International, receiving a separate unsolicited takeover proposal from a group of companies led by Anbang Insurance Group. Starwood is up more than 8%. Apollo Global Management agreed to buy grocer the fresh market for about $1.4 billion in cash. Fresh market is up almost 24%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Again, a little weight to futures at negative five. It is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Francis Wilkinson, an editor for Bloomberg View. Ted Cruz plotted the most promising path to the Republican nomination until Donald Trump came along. In fact, Trump's initial popularity only validated Cruz's strategy of making himself a vessel for enraged voters. As Trump's staying power grew, however, and his hold on racially resentful white voters tightened, Cruz concluded that he had to confront Trump, attacking his personal finances and saying a vote for Trump was a vote for Obamacare. In the GOP debate Thursday night, Cruz opted for a new tack. He used the word solution nine times, suggesting Trump diagnoses problems, but that his solutions don't work. The debate only reinforced how thoroughly Trump has beaten Cruz at his own game. Cruz once went to extremes to cast himself as a radical who, in the words of one conservative commentator, wants to burn Washington to the ground. Having been bested by a superior act, Cruz is now forced to remake himself as a man with solutions for sale. I'm Francis Wilkinson, an editor for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Michael? We're talking with Ellen Zedner, the chief U.S. economist for Morgan Stanley, who has uh, – it's not an outlier call because other people agree with the same thing, but at least uh, she is on the low end of Fed activity for the coming year or two. Just one move this year, two moves in 2017, which is – much less than uh, the consensus forecast for what the Fed's going to do. I want to start by asking you to put that in context, though. Are you suggesting the Fed is not going to move because the economy is going to be bad or because inflation's so low they don't have to and they might as well get the extra stimulus? Well, I think, of course, Mike, economists have many, many hands. Um, and so I could say on the one hand, other hand, and a few others. So it's always a little bit of everything. But they're not pressured on the inflation front at all, either on the wage front, so labor markets just aren't tight enough, uh, and, and certainly not on the inflation front, uh, particularly when we look at our 
forecast for core inflation where the the lagged cumulative effects of the trade the rising trade weighted dollar will continue to depress inflation for some time. So they're really not pressured on the inflation front this year, but they are emboldened by what they're seeing in the domestic economy. Uh, we're facing a lot of external headwinds that have resulted in net trade dragging on growth, energy investment dragging on growth. But if you take those out of the picture and just look at final private domestic demand in the economy, just what we're moving and shaking here in the U.S., uh, and it looks pretty good. And so they're going to continue to communicate that they'd like to do more, and they'll maintain that tightening bias. But ultimately, decisions are made meeting by meeting and coming up to each meeting. We think that they're going to be looking at inflation dynamics that are going to lead them to push uh, on hikes. And a lot of that will be determined by, and this is going to be a key phrase I think that we'll hear all year, diverging global central bank policies. Other global central banks are still easing. We're not as near uh, to the end of the global central bank easing cycle as the Fed had thought we were when they raised rates in December. And that's going to continue to make it difficult for them to deliver more hikes because as our FX strategists have, have also released a separate note this morning, they believe there's more upside in the dollar to come. Because of divergence. Well, now you asked because the, the, the dollar is low. The dollar, do, do, a trade weighted dollar is lower than it was before the Fed raised rates. Well, certainly. So we've had a nice pullback in the trade weighted dollar, and of course, if that is sustained, then that would further add to the Fed's argument to do more this year, and we would probably end up being wrong on the one rate hike assumption. Um, but our FX strategist, and Tom can tell you, if you listen to an FX strategist, you could practically fall asleep on all the nuances they give around what drives currencies. Whoa. But one of the drivers... <laughs> You're getting your nasty crap from the Forex guys. <laughs> one of the drivers is diverging global central bank policies. And at the time of the December rate hike, the Fed was looking at the world at, at, through a different lens. They thought that we were nearer to the end of global central bank easing cycle than we are. They were blindsided by Japan going negative, ECB going negative, and it's now apparent that we're not as close to the end of the global central bank easing cycle, and that, that policy divergence yeah. is just one of many reasons that will put upward pressure on the trade-weighted dollar, we think. If you're just joining us, Ellen Zentner with Morgan Stanley. Tomorrow, it's a fair and balanced Bloomberg surveillance. Hans Redeker will join us. He'll tear apart Ellen Zentner. That was quite something, Ellen. Going <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell Hans that I said people will fall asleep when you listen to <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you. I will not. I will not do that. But, but seriously, this comes down to a basic economics, which is a common ground of everyone we speak to. There's a short term, a long term, and the British have the conceit of the medium term. Which term is Chair Yellen in? Well, I think right now, much of their uh, – so when they make decisions meeting by meeting, it's financial conditions that determine it. What do financial conditions look like going into those meetings? In terms of the, the medium term, the framework, the policy framework, is that Taylor rule that we all love that tells you how much of an un unemployment gap do you have, what kind of inflation pressures do you have, and what does your output gap look like. And she believes – that the real equilibrium rate in the short run is currently negative uh, or about flat and will rise only gradually over time. And so they look to align policy with that gradual rise. So that dictates that they know, they're pretty certain, the rise in rates is going to be very gradual. That's the framework. 
but the decisions will be made meeting by meeting, and so they'll look at financial conditions going into each meeting um, and how certain they are about their their outlook, that they will meet their outlook. That will dictate what they're willing to do with rates today. I have to ask you about uh, a very short note in your most recent uh, note to clients uh, about recession remaining your bare case. How much of a percentage do you put on recession? Because what caught my eye is just this phrase, uh, it's deeper and longer to reflect increasing risk this scenario plays out. Yeah, so it's a good question, Mike. In the U.S. economy, basically, recession probabilities keep fluctuating, we believe, between 20 and 30 percent, depending on how much angst there is in the markets. The reason why uh, recession probabilities aren't higher for the U.S., even though we're in this very low growth backdrop, is that you really need to show more damage on the domestic side of the economy. You know, the industrial side of the economy, we've we've released a lot of analysis around this, is in recession. It ticks off all the boxes that the MBER looks for when dating recessions. Mm -hmm. Industrial production has fallen from peak. It's fallen by nearly 2%. It's fallen over more than a six-month period. But that's 10% of your economy. The other 90% is still growing at around the 2% growth rate. And you've got to see more damage done to the labor market, to consumer confidence, right. uh, to, to spending uh, than we've seen in order to get those recession probabilities up much higher. But it has to remain the base case, uh, sorry, the bear case, because we're growing at such a slow rate. This is a mature phase of the cycle. I won't say we don't know how long this business cycle will last. We think it will be one of the longest on record. Uh, but, of course, when you're growing this slowly, any sort of bobble right. can push the economy into negative growth. And so it has to remain your bear case. Ellen, thank you so much. Congratulations on uh, your terrific 2015 and an important research note today from Morgan Stanley. Adam Parker migrates his equity call. Ellen Zentner migrates the economic call titled In the Shallow End. Mike, um, it's important anecdotal. Yahoo down 35% from the peak of late 2014. And then there's securities analysis. You go to Twitter. Thank you, Casey. For the photograph, it's South by Southwest of the Tumblr party. Yeah. And Casey, after careful research, notices it's a cash bar this year. Hmm. This is the change at Yahoo. There's yeah. a cash bar at their Tumblr party at South by Southwest. Important news you can use, security analysis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no free cash flow. <laughs> no, no free cash flow. <laughs> no free liquor flow. Versus on the war path, I think we're having a cash bar. South by Southwest, it is changing. It is not nearly. It is it's different. Collegially, it is different than it was 10 or 20 years ago. On economics, like Ellen Zettner, on finance and investment, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Another hour coming up.